I've really been enjoying the series on the Holy Spirit, and but there have been some questions that have come up for me um, through the nights. And the questions that have come up for me or have been, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? And how do I hear the Holy Spirit? And I've gotten some versions of explanations, um, but for me, um, I needed a different answer. So as I thought about that question, I, I asked God to help me. Um, and then I remembered he has given us a helper in the Holy Spirit. Bear with me tonight because I am flipping through my Bible even though I tag the pages. I just like to read from it best. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. And I began to form a picture of someone with a hearing aid when I was asking God to help me with this. And I realized God has given us a hearing aid in the person of the Holy Spirit. I thought about what it might be like for a person getting a hearing aid for the first time. How they must have to try it out, maybe adjust it, practice hearing with it, practice like the girl in the clip. Practice had to be the key to working with this unfamiliar gift of hearing. I went to my Bible and I read all the scriptures about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I asked God to show me where it was I could find my answer. How do I hear the Holy Spirit? What I found is that he painted a word picture for me. In the words of his Bible, I can hear of his signs, wonders, and miracles, all done through the power of his Holy Spirit. God, also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. Hebrews 2.4 And I realize <clears throat> that these stories were meant to be recounted. They were meant to be retold. Isn't that what he asked us to do? These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father.
Then he said to them, These are the words which, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding so that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer to die and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I sent the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so tonight, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to practice recounting some signs, wonders, and miracles in my life. Hopefully, you will hear what I hear. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. John fifteen twenty six. June 2nd, 1989. <laughs> I've been going out with Saul for six months almost. <laughs> and we were set to go on a trip. And much like we have a motorcycle rally thing here in Hollister sometimes, if they decide to pay for it, we were going on a motorcycle run to Garberville, California, <laughs> called the Redwood Run. Only we weren't on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were in a van that my friend had, and uh, we started to have some um, some difficulties with the van. In um, well, it started right away, <laughs> and we stopped in Gilroy, and we took a look at it and decided we were going to take care of it when we got there. But we didn't get there, <laughs> and. Um, so we made it past San Francisco, um, just barely into San Rafael, and we were stuck in a lot of traffic. Um, had made it over the bridge, but there was really a lot of traffic, and Seoul was driving, and we couldn't get over because this van was making this indescribable noise. I just, I can't even, of, of all the movies that I've seen where they have car crashes and stuff, it, it just isn't as realistic as reality. <laughs> so the car was making this horrific noise and um, and then suddenly there was this crunch <laughs> and the, the van began to slide back and forth across the lanes of the highway and people began to back off and um, Sowell tried to control it as much as he could but he couldn't because it was the drive the drive shaft that snapped so there was no way to steer this vehicle. Um, he looked at me at one point and said, I got it. <laughs> and he told me to hold on, which I didn't. I also did not have a seatbelt on. And the moment
The moment he said, hold on, the front left tire in the van blew up, and the van began to roll. And I began to roll with the van. And there was a modified uh, sunroof in the van, and it shattered the first time it rolled. And the second time it rolled, my arm went out it, and the van landed on top of my arm and, and drug me about 75 feet. And you don't need to hear all the gore. <laughs> um, I wasn't a believer at the time, but I knew of God. <laughs> and when the van stopped and I was underneath it, I had three thoughts. <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and one that I didn't even audibly say, but thought as a prayer in my head. And I said, I need an angel. And I heard a voice behind me coming through the van, which was on fire by now. And she said, I'm here to help you. And this person was able to direct their getting me out of this van that was on fire and getting me out from under it and saving my life. And. God appointed this very special person. <laughs> um, she had been going the other direction on the freeway. She was late to an appointment in San Francisco, and she stopped to get coffee, which she said she didn't very often do. She stopped long enough to get on the freeway to see this accident, and without consideration, She jumped over the freeway barrier, which at that time they used to put the fences on top of the barrier, so it was three feet plus five feet plus whatever, and she's climbing over this and jumping in this van that's on fire to pull me out. And, and I say that God points, appoints special people at special times because the person that, that did this was an ICU nurse and um, God appointed her as my angel. I remember when my arm was stuck under the van. I don't know if any of you have ever seen one of those like Chinese torture toys where you stick your fingers in and then it scares you because you can't get them out. Well, imagine that with your arm. <laughs> and so that was a moment of weakness that I had never, I mean, it was complete powerlessness. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. About 10 years down the road from that accident, I was still dealing with issues surrounding it. And uh, 
there was a lot of damage caused to my right leg. They did, it was just a mess. And they did some skin grafts and I, um, that leg was weakened in a way where I was having constant serious infections requiring hospitalization. And I had become a believer by then and I was really struggling with why God didn't love me and why I was being punished. That was what was in my head. And so this was probably infection number 35 or something, and it was just really frustrating. And in every other instance, I had laid in the hospital bed and literally cursed God and just been really frustrated. And so they were getting me settled, and, and a nurse came in and... Um, and the nurse said what terrible horrible thing did you do that God would punish you like this and the Holy Spirit rose up inside of me <laughs> and for the first time in my life I said I didn't do anything wrong the nurse left and I took out my Bible and I began to read it and to pray and praise very loudly <laughs> and I didn't care who heard me but I knew enough about God by then to know <laughs> that he wasn't punishing me shortly thereafter my doctor came in and uh, and examined me and um, and he looked very confused <laughs> And um, at that point in time, I had been, um, one of the conditions that I had been struggling with is called reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And basically, it's an incurable, <laughs> um, it's an incurable condition. And it causes extreme pain, like even more than like a cancer patient would feel at the very end. And I had been basically bedridden for almost three years because I couldn't stand any movement or a breeze or anything to touch my leg. It was just continual pain 24 hours a day. And along with the infections that were going on as well. And so my doctor came in and examined me and um, he called for the rest of my chart, <laughs> which was probably about that thick by now. And so they had more than one. And he spent some time out in in the lobby, I guess, and he came back in and he looked at me and he said, you don't have reflex sympathetic dystrophy and there is no evidence of you ever having reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And the Holy Spirit said, I dwell in the midst of your praises. I have come to heal you from all your diseases. Amen. Hallelujah for that. That was hard. <laughs> I'm not one you can really keep down. I'm 
So. <laughs> my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, I am not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. That is what I proclaimed that day, and that is the day that he healed me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. A little over five years ago, I lost my son. Well, he's not lost. He's in heaven. But <laughs> And a year after that, on the anniversary of, of his death, I just laid in bed all day. And it was so hopeless and hard. And I was so angry because... There came a lot of other struggles with that. One of those was a financial struggle. And, you know, I wanted my son. And I also wanted to be able to celebrate his life the way I wanted to celebrate his life. <laughs> and one thing that he used to do was, like, he was really into, like, taking food to the homeless. And he would take them Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and <laughs> was also one of my favorites. And so I wanted to go to the cemetery and have a picnic. Yeah, but I couldn't afford to do it. And so, about three in the afternoon, my son Eric was there, and he was trying to cajole me into going anyway, and, and I finally got up and, and decided to go anyway. And so we got in the car, and you know, I'm kind of a creature of habit, you know, just get there one way, and I missed my turn, and I was really irritated because, you know, I was already frustrated with the day, and now I'm going a different direction. <laughs> and so I, I went past, you know, the place that I would normally turn, and I saw my friend, Lushana, at the corner, and she went crazy honking at me and waving her hands, and she made me pull over, and I was all mad because... You know, it was like, okay, I finally decided I'm going to do this, and now, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody. And um, I pulled over in my car, and she pulled up behind me in such a way that I couldn't really see her, but I heard her get out of the car, and she came running up to my car, <laughs> and she said, I was thinking about you. And I thought you might be hungry. And she lifted up the bag she had in your hand, her hand, and it was a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> so. 
And the Holy Spirit said, I am your comforter. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he may abide with you forever. John 14, 26. 14, 16, sorry, don't want to give you the wrong address. Earlier this year, we had to um, attend a very sad occasion. My sister-in-law went to be with the Lord, and the family on my husband's side, we had been estranged to them for a long time. And it had been a really difficult season. We had to set some boundaries with with my stepson because he... Um, he was active in a lifestyle that wasn't safe. And so we had had to tell him, we, we can't, you know, we can't be around you. And we want to see you, but we're only going to be able to do that in public in order to keep us safe. There had been some other arguments and some other unforgivenesses that were going on. And so this estrangement lasted, depending on the person um, involved in it, between 23 years in one instance, and 12 years in another. We spent a lot of years with Christmases and birthdays and births of grandchildren and all those other family events away. It was very, very sad and very hard. So earlier last year, my stepson had reached out and talked to my husband and said he wanted to make things right and we began <laughs> began to join our families together again and it was scary for me because I thought is this safe <laughs> do I really want to put my heart here and I was able to get an answer from God and it was a really crazy, sad, wonderful circumstance. And as my sister-in-law lay on her deathbed in the quiet of the morning, my stepson began to recount to me how watching Carrie, Saul's sister, live a life as a Christian had opened his eyes and that 
he was able to see God in her life, and then he was able to see God in his life. And he told me that he came to an understanding of why it was that we had to ask him to do the things that we had to ask him to do regarding keeping us safe and that he no longer held that against us. You know, when he said that, what ran through my head was, you know, I mean, I tried to make amends. I, we tried letters. We tried a lot of stuff. We tried, you know, showing up, trying to explain, and there wasn't any of that. He wouldn't, you know, it was there was nothing that we could do. And then but the Holy Spirit said, I am the restorer. I have restored to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And I knew that the Holy Spirit had spoken to my stepson. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wonder wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. There are things that I'm waiting for, for God to restore, and and I have that promise, and I know that miracles are coming, and I just want to encourage you. God asks us to go out into all the world, and when He said you will be endued with power from on high, that was so we could go out and talk. I wouldn't be able to come out and talk today about these things that are so hard in my heart if I didn't know that they would display the awe and the power and the majesty and the glory of God. And I just want to thank you today for letting me share.